0: Welcome to Press the Issue, a podcast for Master WP, your source for industry insights for WordPress professionals. Get show notes, transcripts, and more information about the show at masterwp.com slash press the issue. Press the Issue by Master WP is sponsored by LearnDash. Your expertise makes you money doing what you do, Now let it make you money teaching what you do. To create a course with LearnDash, visit LearnDash.com. Our mission at MasterWP is to bring new voices into WordPress and tech every day. The new MasterWP Workshop Series does just that. Our new live and recorded workshops on everything from code to design to business turn WordPress fans into WordPress experts. Find the workshop for you at workshops.masterwp.com. Use the code podcast10 for a 10% discount. In this episode, Rob and Brian review the biggest new features of WordPress 6.2, the integration of the OpenVerse image library into WordPress core, discuss whether full-site editing is really ready to move out of beta and whether the open verse is proof that web privacy regulations have become a hindrance rather than a help for the typical web user.
1: Hey, Brian, how's it going? Good. How are you doing today? Very good. Happy to be back on the podcast with you. Today, we are going to talk about the forthcoming release of WordPress 6.2, which is coming out on March 28th of this month. So um, there's a lot of new stuff. Obviously, it's a big, you know, point release. And uh, I've got a bunch of questions for you. Have you had a chance to dig into it and play with the beta and stuff like that yet?
2: I have been using the beta on uh, one of the sites I'm developing right now, but it <laughs> I keep having to switch back and forth to find out if the, the issues I'm having are because I'm using the beta or just because I'm using a lot more block editor than
1: I usually do. So uh, I have been turning it on and off a lot recently. And I know, um, on kind of a separate thread of discussion, uh, you and Aruba have been doing a lot of block editor exploration and work. So that has been really cool to to hear that. And uh, we'll be sure to link out to some of your deeper stuff on that on your uh, View Source podcast too. Um, we kind of have almost like an array of podcasts that are now spinning off from uh, MasterWP and the company. And uh, I love it because I get to kind of spy on all of your thoughts uh in like a variety of different platforms so i i always find that to be fun uh you know having it, uh, being part of a team that has so many kind of creative outlets has been really cool yeah i love seeing
2: uh it's it's nice working with people who are just want to share want to teach want to learn a lot of new things uh that just kind of keeps it fun and keeps it fresh
1: Totally. Uh, We've kind of stumbled into the fact that like we all like being teachers, but it's been a very cool transition to that from being just a developer to a developer and a teacher. So, you know, in the world of 6.2, there's a lot of block stuff that you've been working with that also is kind of like simultaneously new. But one of the big things is lots of changes to CSS and styling. Can you talk about that, what you've played with and sort of what we're looking for as like big changes for developers in the next release?
2: Yeah. So, you know, as always with anything block editor, you know, you always have to parse through everything to find out, is this feature for anybody using the block editor or is it only for people using full site editing, you know, block themes? So some of these, I I try, I'll try to remember, but sometimes you think, oh, that's a cool feature. And then you find out, well, you have to use a full site editing theme. But, um, you know, the big kind of piece that I think a lot of people will be really excited about is, The ability to add custom CSS is going to show up in WordPress 6.2 because uh, that used to be in the customizer. And as WordPress is moving away from using that front-end customizer tool, it's been pretty hard to deal with, you know, full-site editing without being able to just say, like, let me just write my own CSS for this, you know, two-line thing. So. This idea that you can write your own additional CSS in the backend and, and you can even do it on like a per block basis. It's one of those features that's kind of in every other page builder. So I think people are really going to appreciate that it's finally coming back into WordPress core.
1: Yeah. And you know, as much as it's not like the best practice, I use that a lot because there's often, you know, in, in my role at our agency, I'm rarely building is full site from start to finish, but I'm often hot fixing stuff or helping a client experiment with something or just kind of like fooling around at the margins, right? With a a client project. So having the ability to quickly override something is like essential to me in my role because I'm not, you know, sitting there on local, you know, with a build process and all stuff. I'm like saying, oh, we just got this for request. This thing is looking weird. Can we fix this in 30 seconds? Or does it need to be, like a ticket that goes back to the developer. So yeah. you know that use case for me, you know, really is essential to providing good client service quickly. Certainly, you wouldn't want to let that, you know, be the only way that you add CSS to the site. But I am a person who opens customizer and adds custom CSS when I have to fix something quickly. and I would hate to see that go away uh, permanently. So I'm glad it's back, yeah, and and if you are using a full site editing theme where, you
2: know, theoretically, you're not really doing any local development. You're you're pulling this theme off the shelf and you're, you know, you know. there's a, so many times, like I do a lot of experimenting with full-site editing and there's so many times where I just think, if I could just write two lines of CSS, I could save myself 10 minutes. So, you know, for those themes where you're literally, there is no local development environment and everything, it's, it's kind of a nice feature. And along that line, there's a lot of things around, like when you style a block, you can click one button and, and send that style to every block. So you could change, you know, the font size of paragraph and apply that everywhere. Or you can do like copy and pasting styles from one block to another bringing, you know, you might design a block one way and you just want to copy those colors, bring them somewhere else, that sort of stuff. So there's a lot of kind of really like refinements around just styling things, getting things styled correctly. Um, new tools to actually see all the blocks on your site and style them, see what they're going to look like without actually sticking them inside of a page, things like that. So styles is really just a big, a big push for 6.2.
1: Yeah. And uh, the globalization of those changes makes a big difference uh, in my workflow too. So I did a not full site editing, but block editing site build for our agency site. And, um, you know, one of the things that I really appreciated, and this is a couple versions back was the ability to copy a large container from one page to another. So like we had like our staff or our portfolio or something, and I was like, this would be cool if it was also on another page. And there actually is a a copy and paste option now. So um, this fact that you can kind of make those bulk edits or bulk copies in in bigger ways, I think is going to make it easier and easier for content creators. Um, Obviously, I'm a developer too, but I wasn't really in my, did not have my developer hat on when I was building this site. It was more like what you described where it's like, I'm going to do 95% of this with blocks. I'm going to write 30 lines of CSS to kind of fine tune it, you know, and then it's done. So that was a nice experience even a couple versions ago for me. And uh, I'm happy to hear it's getting better and better. Yeah. And I do that like
2: with my, like just my personal, you know, website, I do it like full site editing. I try to live as somebody who doesn't know how to write code would live just to like see what that's like or something. So yeah, the, seeing a lot of those come in another place where they're putting a lot of work into is like what there's a couple modes. One's called like distraction free mode. One's called browse mode, but these are just like, I think a lot of people feel like sometimes the block editor is a little overwhelming visually and it's a little hard to navigate. So they have a distraction free mode that kind of like turns off almost everything except for your content. Um, that's really nice. And then they have like this browse mode that lets you kind of jump through all the different templates and parts and pieces and stuff. And, and, and there, it's, you know, it's like you're inside of an app. It never, there's no page reloads. There's no refreshes. It's very fluid ability to browse through your website. And if you ever used a tool like Squarespace or something, you'll, you'll see that it's pretty
1: familiar to that experience. I know I wouldn't be able to do much with the block editor without that um, list sidebar that's kind of oh, like a table of contents yeah. uh, nested with all my blocks and everything. And I think that it sounds like the browse is almost like a expansion upon that idea of like, I need to be able to like iterate through these things without just like hopefully hovering over the right thing and clicking on it. at like the precise moment when it's highlighted, because that's a very tedious process for a lot of blocks and and pieces of blocks. So that's good to hear that there's kind of like a a better flow coming. Because I know, you know, before I sort of even, I guess, realized that the list view was a thing, you know, which I think also speaks to the sort of cacophony of icons that many people have have brought up. Yeah. You know, before that, I was like, oh my gosh, like I can't even click on this thing. like And, you know, somebody who's been building websites since, you know, before WordPress existed is getting frustrated with this process. So um, obviously, I'm not the only person to voice that complaint, but I'm glad to hear that it sounds like we're we're really moving ahead with um, some of those UI and user experience changes for the the content creators.
2: Yeah. And there's there's some some updates kind of in the list view of color coding things, trying to make things a little easier to tell what's what. And and really all the the panels are getting cleaned up. But if you've ever used like I, I recently spent some time using like Figma and Descript and some of these other modern apps. And I once I saw that I was kind of like, oh now i see what they're going for with <laughs> gutenberg like you see yeah. figma and like the modern design tools and the modern like podcast editing tools and you see like oh okay they are part of like a trend towards something and and i think they're maybe getting closer to it so i think you know this is supposed to be the the official full site editing is officially done and released and phase 2 is completed as of this this release as far as we know so that's kind of what they're
1: they're trying to say at this point you know, I have to say that while I want to be respectful of all the work that has gone in, it is just baffling to me that phase two has ended like within a couple months of there being sort of like a huge hullabaloo about how full site editing barely worked. We don't even know if we're going to call it full site or site. I think it kind of is a repeat, a repeat of the pattern of like rolling something out too early, rolling something out in kind of a really lo-fi version of what it really should be. And it almost feels like a little bit, you know, a punt to me. That's just my opinion. Like, I know that there's plenty of debate around that, but, you know, the idea that this is done and it's we're moving on to phase three, which is, I guess, collaboration, right? Collaboration is a great idea, but like, it is a little bit alarming to me that phase two is being labeled done. I know that the sort of response to that is well, we're always going to be fine tuning it. Um, But I feel like, I hope that we don't stop collaboration at the same percentage of completion that we're stopping full site editing, if that makes sense. Because I don't think that it's really ready for prime time or adopted in any significant way. Like, even for serious developers, it's like, hey, I kind of use this on my personal site. It kind of works, you know, but I would like to see maybe, you know, some big agencies using it for big projects a lot more consistently before we say it's, you know, a done deal. Maybe, as you said, like, We'll come back around to it. And, you know, obviously it's kind of a fluid process, but, you know, the big picture of the four phases to me, like, you know, if I could wave a magic wand, I would say like, let's actually not, let's keep going and not shoehorn site editing into phase two and say it's done just because you want to move on to phase three. I'm sure there's plenty of counterpoints and, you know, discussion around that. But to me, when I heard that at State of the Word, I was like, Really? Like it seemed to me like there was a bunch of big issues like two days ago, and now we're, you know, announcing that we're done in March. So we'll see where that goes. But I don't know. It it, it feels like we are almost retconning. Like how are they in, in a in a long series they say like, oh, remember back in season one we said this? Well, here's the explanation for it in season four. And everyone's like, what? Like you just made that up? Like I feel like that's kind of like what we're seeing with uh, with phase two being done while not really feeling done to most of the community. That being said, you know, (laughs) uh, I'm curious your experience with FSE or I guess SE so far and and kind of where you see it going and like, you know, are we going to use it in our agency in the next year or is it just going to kind of be a thing that got released and then it kind of languishes?
2: I think the phase one really this past year hit (laughs) hit its stride of being like where, you you know, I feel pretty comfortable building an entire landing page across a bunch of sites in, in the block editor. And it feels really good. And I feel like this is the year phase one, you could say, man, that's really not as beta as it used to be. Um, I think full site editing probably is like another two years behind from what, what I would consider. Like I would use this on a site, you know, it's really great for a blog. It's really great for like a generic kind of like newsletter or marketing site. Um, the minute you bring in like WooCommerce, or an LMS or anything like that, that's like where it really starts to struggle. So I think that's why a lot of agencies like, you know, you're not going to jump for full site editing for that e-commerce site that you're building for somebody or, or something where, you know, a pixel perfect design is needed. It's not really good for that yet. Could you, you know, host your blog on it with a full site editing theme and, and get a pretty good result? Yeah, I think so. So, you know, is it beta software for agencies yeah is it good enough for bloggers you know i think that's that's fine
1: and maybe like a wordpress.com user is going to be the early adopter of that whereas the agency is going to be more conservative because we need to adhere to different and higher standards that sort of thing
2: yeah it's just a different use case but i mean i i kind of agree i would have loved to have seen collaboration and even multilingual the the third and fourth phases of gutenberg come a little before site editing i can think of a ton of use cases for both of those things, and I can't really think of a great use case for the editing my navigation menu in a block. <laughs> so, yeah,, you know, but
1: that's just my personal experience. And I think that just also plays to the kind of uh, there, there's kind of this inherent conflict between two possible financial goals for WordPress. The first being, hey, I'm a WordPress agency. I just got paid. Fifty or $100,000 to build a great website for like a large company or a city or organization or something, right? And it's like, okay, well, in that scenario, full site editing is a moot point because you're building something that's so custom and so bespoke that it doesn't really matter, right? Um, so a lot of us make money that way by doing those client projects, whether they're $5,000 or $500,000. Like that's basically the same thing, the same basic sort of set of needs and goals. Um, yeah. The other flip side is, are we competing with Squarespace? Are we competing with Shopify for the do-it-yourself users? Right. So you can you definitely definitely see how phase two site editing was, you know, almost entirely directed at that do-it-yourself user business model, which I think is part of the reason that it just kind of falls so short for agencies because we don't really care about do-it-yourself. Like we actually yeah. want the client to have a little bit more of a fine-tuned type of control. Like I don't want you to have less control, but I also don't want you to break the header, right? So how do we figure that out? And and in some ways, site editing actually complicates that challenge even more than what we had before. So I think it's that kind of like, you know, weird dual business model where, hey, some of this stuff is clearly targeted at like beating Squarespace, you know, despite their uh, significant advertising investment in the DIY market, while other stuff is targeted more at, you know, you and me and the other people who are like these core developers and designers who are, you know, basically building stuff for clients on a regular basis.
2: Yeah. And I think once they move into collaboration, multilingual things that I think agencies will really get excited about, like I I can imagine if you're, you know, I can think of some of our clients that do a lot of writing a ton of content in Google Docs and then they got to move it yep. over and then you know that could be that could be a game changer for them multilingual is nobody's favorite thing to deal with in wordpress that could be a game changer so i'm optimistic that as they move into those there will be some just refinements on it but the nice thing about the site editor is the further they go, it seems like they're finally letting some of those features come out. And, you know, you don't have to use a site editing theme to get some of the good stuff there, which I think is really the best of both
1: worlds, that living in that hybrid area. Totally. And uh, I, I, I'm excited about collaboration for the same reason. Like, if I went back through my email and searched for, hey, I think you're editing this. Could you get out of it so I can edit it? Like, that's yeah, probably happened, yeah. like, 5,000 times in the last few yeah. years. And, you know, we were... Uh, we're not even doing that much like, you know, nitty gritty content work with people, but it's like, oh my gosh, like that is probably the most confusing experience for somebody who's not uh, really used to WordPress. And and I mean, I can't tell you how many clients have been freaked out and have emailed me or called me and they're like, I can't get into this. It says you're editing it like that's just not a normal yeah. u- user experience anymore. Now that everybody's used to Google Docs and, and all the equivalents. Yeah, and it'll make even trainier clients probably pretty yeah. cool, you know,
2: you open totally. it up and you're both looking at it. And yeah, I mean, it's such a you great You see experience. the
1: cursor editing and like, even like, you know, yeah. we use Airtable, which is kind of a super spreadsheet tool. And, you know, there's a little like icon with your face on it. And it's like, oh, Brian's editing this cell and so on and so yeah. forth. So uh, it's a very cool thing. There's some significant technical challenges to it, but I'm really looking forward to seeing that uh, get released because that's the kind of thing where very much unlike site editing, it will be a Day, a, a immediate day to day improvement for the people who you know we're working with and and our team. And then I guess
2: the last really big change we should include is the Openverse integration for
1: sure. Uh, have you messed around with the Openverse? Have you ever used Openverse? I have. So we were we're doing another uh, project where we're doing a a plugin that um, processes images in a special way that uh, in, you know involves you know, basically me testing it with millions of images to make sure it's working. So I was on Openverse the other day for that purpose, but I love that it's a public domain alternative to like Unsplash and all these other sites out there that are sort of like, you know, I mean, they're nice stock photos. You could certainly go out and pay for stock photos, but, you know, I think we're all really invested in the spirit of open source and public domain. And I think about like, the other Gutenberg project, which is the uh, free eBooks at gutenberg.org. Like that is something that I've used for years. I love that you can go get like every Sherlock Holmes book uh, Mm, in two seconds, you know, and open verse strikes me as the same kind of thing for imagery. Obviously there's like Wikimedia Commons, which is a similar concept, but it seems like they've done a great job of making it really exhaustive, a really big catalog, lots of different stuff. So I love that concept. And I'm actually really excited about the idea of like plugging it in quickly to WordPress. And that's, you know, it's not one of those features that like anyone necessarily was like, oh, that was the top thing on my feature list. But it's like, now that I have this, like I definitely could see myself using it, which is really cool. And I think it, um, of course, does a nice job of just reinforcing the public goods and open source uh, spirit of the stuff that we're doing with WordPress. Now, that being said, you were telling me that there was some drama around OpenVerse. Could you tell me what was going on with that uh, as we were getting up to this 6.2 release?
2: Yeah, so so the way it works is, you know, when you're writing your blog post and you want to add an image to it, you can pull one from your media library, but like now you can just, in 6.2, you'll be able to just pull one straight from the OpenVerse project, which I agree with you. I think that's that should be one of their killer features that they should, you know, use in their promotional stuff
1: because I think a lot of just... Yeah
2: regular users will really appreciate that. Oh, I don't need, I need a featured image for my blog post. Cool. I can, you know, grab one and I know. Show me a picture
1: of like the, you know, Coliseum or something and boom, there it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I love
2: it. What I guess what happened is, is in the, when they finally merged it in into like the beta version of WordPress that we're all testing right now, it, I guess it wasn't importing the image into your website. It was sort of hot linking to the image hosted on the Openverse website, which when you first kind of say that out loud, you think that's actually kind of nice. They're hosting the image for you. It's just kind of linking to this image off-site somewhere. Um, that's great. It's not going to take storage space on your server, blah, blah, blah. But, um, you know, in the world that we live in with, uh, you know, GDPR, it kind of was started for a lot of people, especially in like Germany, they were very concerned because um, they've had this issue with Google Fonts in the past where you can't load, third-party resources from another website, um, at least not without a lot of sort of like privacy pop-ups and banners. So the idea that it would do that by default, just loading in, you know, content that's hosted on a different server and potentially expose IP addresses, which to me maybe is not the biggest deal. The legal ramifications of it are the biggest deal. And I know you've written a lot about GDPR and like fonts. So I'm kind of curious what you think about that.
1: Yeah. So, you know, for anybody who's not up on what GDPR is, it's basically the European um, privacy regulations, and they're much stricter than anywhere else in the world. California has kind of caught up with them a little bit, but GDPR really is kind of like the gold standard, if you want to look at it that way, in terms of strictness about um, internet privacy. And it's the reason we have, like, accept cookies pop-ups. It's funny, my nine-year-old son was on his iPad the other day, and he's like, should I accept cookies? What are cookies? And I'm like, oh my God, I hate GDPR so yeah. much. Like, this is just like the worst user experience for the enti- for everyone, you know, way to make the internet like just objectively worse in every way via uh, like weird attempts at regulation. But, you know, that being said, I've written, you know, extensively and, and somewhat like mockingly about GDPR because I think that in the larger scheme of things, the challenge about regulating privacy is that, it's easy to focus on minutiae, right? Like the acceptance of cookies sort of me- is meaningful in theory, in practice, it's kind of minutiae. And then all of a sudden you have like 9 million pop-ups on every site, or you know you can't use Google Fonts anymore, which I think is kind of even questionable as the law is written, but at least one judge has sort of like arrived at the fact that using Google Fonts is against the law if you don't alert people to it. So To me, it really um, is well-intentioned, but the companies that are the target of it don't care, right? Like Facebook just basically factors in the $25 million fine and goes on with their day. You know, like that's just a cost of doing business to them. Like it would be very difficult to find them enough money to make them not get a benefit from having more of your data, right? Because the whole business model of Google and Facebook is selling advertising to you. And it's kind of like this, all the best minds of my generation are just trying to make people click on more ads, right? And it's kind of like the sad state of affairs in tech that yeah. most people who are good engineers or good product creators are getting paid to make you get addicted to stuff or click on more ads for weight loss products or whatever it is, you know, or maybe, I'm um, revealing what my Instagram and <laughs> feed looks like a little bit too much there, but like, you know, it's a big issue and it's not helping anybody, you know? Um, it makes people depressed, it makes people stressed out. And it's like, you know, we're putting all these resources into this. And then simultaneously, we have this regulation that sort of tries to attack these advertising data. Like, what do you call it? Like basically these giant tracking scripts. Right. Um, yeah. And they do it in a way that is not big enough to affect the big players but it affects the tiny players in like just really ridiculous and negative ways. So I'm not a big fan of GDPR. I think it's poorly targeted. Um, And, you know, there's lots of people who will disagree with that, obviously. But my ad blocker has done a lot more for me than GDPR ever will do for all the humans in the world combined in terms of privacy. And, you know, it doesn't force web developers to worry about getting sued over having like a nice font included on your site. That being said, the whole hotlinking of images thing is, base, is very much like a 1999 problem to me. Like I remember back in the day, like, you know, oh, I'm paying, you know, 20 bucks a month and I'm running out of server bandwidth because somebody hotlinked my image from another site. And now I got to write like some code to block them depending on like the referring URL. And to me, like, regardless of the GDPR considerations, like I think it, you know, makes sense to not hotlink the image, right? Yeah. So, if it's on open verse and, you know, who automatic or the WordPress Foundation or whoever is paying for that server, like, okay, like it's not really hurting anybody who's not aware of the problem, but it definitely is poor practice, right? And um as uh, as um we kind of spoke about earlier, like it's a little bit weird that it got through so many layers of review, especially after so many people had sort of like a, you know, five alarm fire type situation about like the Playfair font being illegal on the web on every website yeah. in Germany, which I, I found to be so over the top as a reaction. Whereas this was like, like you know, it's interesting that this got through. Certainly, it shouldn't be hotlinked that way, but perhaps it is a gentle indication to some of the GDPR fanatics out there that there actually are good reasons to include data from another website on your website, and it actually does make life easier. So. You know, I don't think I'm going to be changing any minds on that anytime soon. But (laughs) the fact that this was perceived by everybody on the squad as a useful thing and it violated GDPR, you know, tells me that maybe extreme adherence to GDPR is more of a a negative than a positive for the web.
2: Yeah, and I'll say, you know, one other side of this is I I have to imagine they they thought it would be nice because of... um, the state of WordPress hosting companies at this point in time. So I think there was, you know, I won't say which hosting company, but I think we were dealing internally with, a, with a, an error that was because a a very prominent WordPress hosting company had like a database size limit. Like your database can't be bigger than like yeah. a certain number or something. That was something a, like that that, was a just,
1: first for me. I was like, what, like, what is yeah. this like? Like, you know. Uh, and like an expensive one. Like yeah. not a
2: cheap host either. Yeah, they're, and they're not kind of like the... Host.
1: Not like a $3 a month plan, right? Yeah. Um, but the kind of thing where like, that was that was a huge surprise. And, you know, we took over that site. The client was kind of caught by surprise by it. Uh, we took it over from another developer who was struggling. And it just, you know, it, it was kind of a, a negative spin out um, because there were all these hosting problems mixed with, you know, the site was also kind of a mess in the first place and the previous developer. And it was, yeah, very strange. But, you know, to your point, that's one of the arguments of like, hey, it's actually nice to use a CDN for my JavaScript, or it's nice to use a CD, another URL for my images or my fonts, because I don't have to deal with the technical details of hosting and bandwidth and ed- edge caching and all that stuff. So that's an argument that flies directly in the face of the German GDPR Google fonts decision, right? So, you know, it shows that there is a clearly a benefit to these things and that it would be nice if we could strike a balance as opposed to like reading this particular law in an extremely sort of strict and narrow way.
2: Yeah. And it it just shows that, you know, WordPress hosting companies definitely need to think about these sorts of things going forward because hosting a lot of images is only probably going to increase, but also, um, the, just in terms of how much performance a website gets around, you know, future phases of Gutenberg, the block editor in general. I mean, all these things, you know, they just all start to add up. I was getting some um, Safari was giving me some of those. Uh, this web page is using a lot of resources. Warnings when I was mm-hmm. doing some b- basic block editing, you yeah. know, and and this is. A pretty modern, like you know, Apple Silicon MacBook that you know Safari is telling me the block editor is using a little too much energy. So all of these things kind of all go together as part of um, WordPress. And so I that that's one thing we probably won't have time to get into. But there is that WordPress performance team, and I think uh, keeping an eye on all those sorts of pieces. Uh, there's just a lot that goes into it, and there's a lot that they're they're really going to have to start thinking about um, the further they they go
1: into uh, Gutenberg phase three and four. Yeah, I think we have a future podcast episode called like, Data Centers Aren't Free. Why you need to (laughs) like tighten up your content management, uh, you know, processing in JavaScript and all that. Uh, Well, this has been great. Well, we'll wrap up our 6.2 discussion for now, but of course there's plenty more for us to come back with as, as more stuff gets released and we dig into some of these details. So Brian, it's always a pleasure and looking forward to next time. All right, thank you.
0: Hey there. Welcome to a new segment of Press the Issue, Listener Mail. We want to know what you think about this topic. Specifically, how do you think WordPress as a community and project can bring the next generation into the fold? Tweet your response to underscore MasterWP or email your response to podcast at masterwp.com. Then tune in to our next episode to see if we read your response at the end of the show. Thank you for listening to this episode. Press the Issue is a production of Master WP, produced by Ali Nimmons, hosted, edited, and musically supervised by Monet Davenport, and mixed and mastered by Teron Bullock. Please visit MasterWP.com slash Press to find more episodes. Subscribe to our newsletter for more WordPress news at MasterWP.com.